Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal. Hello, my chickens. I am so excited for this episode today and for you to hear the conversation that I have with the one and only Jessica Dorr, who, as you'll hear, I've been calling Jessica Dorr in my brain this whole time. <laughs> but before we get to that, I need to tell you something else important, which is that today is the day. Well, I guess it depends when you're listening to this, but if you're listening to this the day it comes out, today is the day that for the first time you can sign up to do deep deep body image work with me. This is the first time that you have been able to take a body image exclusive class with me. So starting today, we are opening registration to the Unfuck Your Body Image course. Course does not describe it. It is the Unfuck Your Body Image journey of a lifetime, (laughs) the Unfuck Your Body Image amazing roller coaster, the Unfuck Your Body Image. I was going to say paradise, but we do a lot of work on recognizing that Life always involves positive and negative emotion around here. So, but maybe paradise is involving positive and negative emotion. Anyway, some of you are going to, if you're listening to this right when this comes out, you're going to be on the webinar with me that I'm doing later today to teach my three best body image hacks. So, some of you, I'm going to see in a few minutes probably. But if you missed that webinar, don't worry. You can now sign up directly for. The program. This is work that until now has only been available inside the clutch. You had to be a clutch member to do this work on your body image and to get access to all of these deeper tools and teachings that I have around body image, making peace with your body. It's really body image is like not even the right term in some ways because we all know that sort of what you think about your body's appearance goes so much deeper. Really, this course is about deciding what the purpose of your body even is, what your body is for, what your relationship to your body should be like, what you want it to be like. It's not just how you think about food and how you eat and how you move or don't move or all of the kind of drama you have around exercise and how your body looks in the mirror, but it's also how you live in your body as a home and the complicated relationship that you have with your body, all of the kind of fears and anxieties and resentments that we have about our bodies, especially if our bodies aren't behaving the way we want them to. We dig deep into all of that with really powerful thought work tools. And until now, like I said, you could only do that in the clutch. But this is work is so important and everyone needs to have access to it if they want it, even if they're not in the clutch. Obviously, being in the clutch is amazing. So if you're not in the clutch, I still don't understand you. But (laughs) You can now sign up just to do this work with me. So if you are interested in that, you've been thinking about it, you've been wanting to work on your body image, do not delay my mes poulets, <laughs> my chickens. When I have done these in the clutch, they've sold out in 24 hours and we're expecting it'll probably fill up in a couple of days. So go to unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash body freedom, all one word unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash body freedom. Again, all one word. Or if you want, we will text you a link to the all the information. So you can just text your email address to plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four 
and just use the code body freedom when you get prompted. You'll get a text saying what's the code word and you text back body freedom, all one word. Then we will text you a link straight to all the information so you don't have to remember it. Or you can go to unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash body freedom, all one word. Okay, I think that's what you need to know. Like I said, hit pause and go there now if you're really interested because it will fill up fast. It will sell out quickly. All right, without further ado, now I want you to hear all about my amazing conversation with Jessica Dorr. We're going to talk about tarot cards and thought work and mysticism and therapy and a whole bunch of amazing juicy topics. Take a listen. Hello, my chickens. I have a very exciting podcast guest for you today and conversation that some of you when hearing what's about to come may start to be like, has Car lost her mind? Is this podcast now about woo-ness and astrology and witches? And I just want you to like take a deep breath. I'm still me. And some of you are going to be like, finally, she's finally admitting what we all knew all along, which is that it's all about the woo. Neither of those things is happening. Just come on this journey with me. It's going to be amazing. I promise. I am speaking to, I just realized that despite working with her for three years, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I always say it in my head as Jessica Dore. Is that right? It's Dore. I, I it's think Dor. it was Dore. I think it was Dore, but yeah. It, it I'm just connecting Dor. to your ancestral lineage is what's ago. happening. You are. To I the, appreciate To the original. That. That's what. <laughs> I, which I, yeah, it means a lot to me. <laughs> You actually might want to try to get a little closer to the mic. You're a little quiet, oh. I think. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, like better. I said, in extreme lounge mode. <laughs> Just because like, this down interview into my if the chair. mic will come to her face. Yeah, exactly. I was kind it. of, right. I'll do it only. Exactly. I, yeah, I didn't literally didn't move out of this chair. <laughs> and this microphone appeared and the log was put on the fire. And I don't my know. Yeah. This is like a whole other conversation we have to have about like what is happening in your life that you have like a band, like, <laughs> adjusting to your every need in this house i we got on this we got on this call for this podcast and i was like where are you and she's like i'm in this house with a band and i was like are you recording and she's like no but they are and like i'm by the fire just like no other explanatory info given that's just how she rolls it's all very mysterious all right why don't you introduce yourself tell people who you are and what you do okay yeah (laughs) well i'm jessica door as you, as you said, Dore. Oh, right, right, Dore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Th- that's very mm-hmm. classic. You. T- you're like, no. Th- let me let me tell you how you say your last name. <laughs> and and me, I'm like, nope. You're right. That's it. <laughs> Don't let her fool you. She's got a will of steel. It's just hidden behind some like nicer mannerisms. That's all. <laughs> But yeah, I'm a, I'm a tarot reader and that's how we connected. But I think you connected with me maybe because more my, my background is in social work. I'm a, I have a social work license in, in Pennsylvania. I have a background in psychology publishing. I've been working in the psychology publishing field for 10 years. So I've like just been studying cognitive and behavioral therapies for a long time and incorporating them into my interpretations of the tarot. And so I've kind of tried to weave these things together. And that's, I guess, the basis of my work with tarot and what kind of what makes it different than, you know, a tarot reader that does like sort of fortune telling or more of a divination type practice. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us a little bit. I think that's true. Like the one other time I'd had a tarot, I've had two tarot card readings that were not done by you. And they were both much more, yeah, like this is what's going to happen kind of, or like this is your year is about this. So interesting because I was just, I told you before I got on this call, I was just teaching 
the first session of my advanced certification in feminist coaching. And I had, you know, I wrote this whole curriculum and, and then I was having everybody go around and say like what stood out to them. And the vast majority of people, what stood out to them for the first lesson was what I was teaching about like mutuality and collaboration in the coaching experience rather than this sort of top-down hierarchy where the coach is like producing mm-hmm. the knowledge that they then tell the client and it's like very, you know, authority-driven. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like what one of the things I find really striking about the way you use tarot is that it's like not it's I mean, it's definitely not like, let me tell your future. <laughs> but even like right. I've never right. went to I've never had a tarot card reading where the person was like, and you'll meet him a horse named Andrew. Like it was not that specific, <laughs> but it was kind of like your year will be about this or about that. Right. And like that's not how you approach it at all. So I would love if you could talk a little bit about like how you approach the like interact the interaction of doing a tarot mm-hmm. card reading and like what you think the purpose of that process is. Yeah. I mean, I love those words that you use, mutuality and collaboration. Those are, as you may know, you know, trauma informed principles. <laughs> I'm um, secretly trauma informed, even though everybody <laughs> insists that I'm not because I say that you might have some control of your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it because I did go to social work school because my background has been in studying and learning about these different psychotherapies and ways of working that really are about relationship. And, you know, in counseling, one of the first things that you learn when you're learning how to do counseling is like, advice doesn't help people. Mm -hmm. Just giving someone advice, it rarely leads to behavior change. What helps people is asking questions, asking the right questions, giving people the space to have their own realizations. And so I've really been influenced by those kinds of principles in the way that I use cards. And and I also just find it a lot more interesting. So I use the cards kind of more as a way to ask questions than to give answers. And I find that, that it's more fun, it's more interesting, it's easier in a lot of ways as a reader because it requires less of me. I, I remember when I was in graduate school and I was doing therapy in a clinic for eating disorders, one of the therapists there who was supervising me said, you know, you should never be working harder than the client. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting idea, right? Yeah. And and I was like, I'm going to take that and use it in my tarot card readings too. And right, it's like, people don't like walking away from something feeling like I just sat there and listened for the whole, I don't, I want to feel like I'm doing something, you know, having realizations. That's such a good don't work hard in the client, because I do think that like, especially those of us who are drawn to like helper professions, it's like both positive motivation. And then there's just like the ego dopamine hit. Like one of the things that I was teaching this week also was about like not coaching a client to resolution all the time. Because like that feels fun and easy. It feels good to you. You know what's going on. You get this dopamine hit. You get to seem like you're a magic wizard. Right. But like they actually and they feel better in the moment because they're talking to you and you're reflecting back that like there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not like it's fake, but it's just temporary, right? Because right? they haven't earned that understanding themselves. So it's mm-hmm. like a flash of insight that then kind of dissipates. Mm. But I think a lot of us are like, okay, well, I'll do all the work. Like, let me like show you the thing and show you again and try to get you to understand, right? And yeah. I love that idea that like you need to be working, yeah, equally hard or probably ideally you want your client to be working a little harder than you are. I mean, it's their life. <laughs> they need to be showing up in that way. Right. I mean, you think about why there are such high levels of burnout too in in these fields in the, you know, the so-called like helping professions. It's like, because it's a lot, it's a lot already just to be able to hold space for somebody. So how can you minimize the amount of energy that you're exerting too, just for sustainability reasons that 
if you can be smart, <laughs> work smarter, not harder, <laughs> which uh, I'm sure both you and I, as you can see, again, I'm over here lounging. I've, yeah, you can hear the fire crackling behind her. That's what that is. <laughs> right. I worked earlier. It's a fireside chat with Jessica Dorr. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just here to facilitate. <laughs> yeah, right. I love that. Oh, well, I think that's same like the – the burnout also in that over coaching or over, you know, trying to get people to like, it's like the point of therapy or coaching is not to like necessarily feel better right then. Right. And so like, we're like, okay, trying to like get them to that place as opposed to like the most important work I think you can do as a, anybody in a counseling position on some level is like get comfortable with the discomfort of somebody else not being happy, right? Like being totally. able to be in that space with them. Totally. That, I mean, that's what it, another thing that I learned in social work school was this idea of the writing reflex, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that mm. <laughs> concept, but right. It's like the, the reflex that you have to make something right, to, to fix mm. something for someone right. right away. It's a human thing to want to make people's problems go away, I'm sure. But watching that, being mindful of it, that we might not, we probably aren't going to find an answer to, you know, people come to a tarot reader with sometimes like really intense psychological conflicts you know right. what i mean and it's just like or oh i've been in this unhappy relationship for 10 years or job for 10 years and right. it's just like it's a bit arrogant to expect that you're gonna come oh well surely i'll you know i'll pull some cards and then we'll know and you'll you'll have the tools that you need like right. that's just not realistic so totally being able to be able to hang in that space is and now I'm almost too good at it. I'm like, well, we might not even have anything cohesive at the end of this conversation. And that's just <laughs> now I show up to calls with Jessica and she's like, I mean, I pulled some cards if you want to look at them and tell me what you think. That's fine. I'm here in front of the fire. <laughs> right. Right. Do you have any thoughts? No. Okay. This session is over. No, that's obviously right. <laughs> that's not what happened. So I'm curious if you think of yourself as a tarot card. You're like, I think of you as like a philosopher mystic. I mm, think like I. Love I that. <laughs> you follow that, yeah. Jessica. My favorite thing is I just love all the different like parts of my life. Like scrolling through my Instagram stories is like people I knew from law school having like very normal standard lives. All this like inspirational life coach stuff. All of these like kill the rich and eat them people I know from my old lefty days. And like Jessica pops in and she's like, yesterday I was speaking to a deer about the myth of <laughs> blah blah blah. And like, it's just like <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's like three slides of some sort of Gnostic spirituality you're reading and, and like <laughs> exactly. understanding. And then I was just like such a wonderful, such a wonderful mix. But um, I would love to hear a little bit about kind of what do you think like your work is fundamentally about? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I like that idea of being a philosopher mystic for sure, <laughs> because I do think of myself a bit more as like, as a thinker, as an intellectual, as even a, an independent scholar or academic than mm. like a healer or I'm, I'm not a therapist. You know, a lot of people think that I am because I write about therapies all the time. But recently, I've been really inspired by this concept of negative work, which sounds amazing off the bat, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, is that, does that mean that you, you don't work or you get work? to not work? Which, yeah. Is this lying yeah. down? I like lying <laughs> down. I'm exactly. It's exactly what I thought. <laughs> but it's kind of this idea that you, you know, if you, if you have access to resources, tools and skills and things that you know work to help people, it's sort of this idea that you make them as, as widely available as possible for mm -hmm. free, that you don't take the traditional routes or it, within the institutions that make those things hard to access really sort of like mm -hmm. esoteric in a way you like therapy it's like it's this secret a lot of these ideas they're like secret knowledge they're tucked away you have to have a therapist or you have to 
know the right book or the right thing. And Mm -hmm. it's, I just find that so not adequate. So I think a lot of my work is about trying to share information, skills, concepts, ideas that I've had access to that I've been able to learn about primarily through my six years that I spent at New Harbinger, which is a psychology and self-help book publisher where Mm -hmm. I was reading clinical psychology manuals for years. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a therapist, wasn't in the mental health field other than that. And just like learning and learning and learning and realizing that those secrets that were in those books, even though they were meant for therapists, I was getting access to them and they were changing my life. Right. And I thought, you know, why why can't we talk about these things in other areas? And I mean, your work is a great example, too, the way that your podcast and the work that you do publicly, it's life changing, you know, and then people can sort of choose their yeah, level and there's of no access. like ball hidden. It's never it's not like, right. Oh, I mean, yeah, of course, there's like, if you join the clutch, there's like additional tools or exercises yeah. or whatever. And like, you can get more support. But it's never like, okay, I'm just gonna teach you three quarters of what you need. But like, you know, the real secret is inside behind the paywall, right? It's right. like, it's all of that knowledge being shared and understanding. And I think there's such a like, it's such a scarcity mindset to also think like, well, I can't, you know, if I give everything away for free, then like, I won't make be able to make a living, I won't have a business and people won't pay me, right? And it's like, no, of course, people, there's always people who want number one, just fall in love with it and want more, right? Mm-hmm. Or who want, you know, additional help or like who want personalized support, which is just literally impossible for me to provide to, you know, the podcast is been downloaded 15 million times. I can't personally provide free support to everybody. It's <laughs> right. Not, right. Like not physically possible, but like it's all outright. There's no, I'm not hiding anything. I'm like, this is how we do it. If you want help doing it, you can always come to me. So I just think it's also like disrupting this idea that, I mean, one of the most powerful things that I think I learned from my coach that it was from my teacher, Brooke Castillo, which was so different from how you're raised to think, at least how I was raised to think. Jews are very scarcity mindset people, understandably, given the historical trauma. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was just very like, you know, the more you give away, the more you get in return, Mm -hmm. which was like not, you know, that that flow of like, the more I teach, the more clients I get, the more money I make that I actually am able then to like teach even more people, right? It's like the sort of virtuous cycle as opposed to a vicious cycle. And not that everybody wants to be running a big business or making money, but it's just, I think, important to be like, giving stuff away is not only for people who like demystifying or like popularizing or whatever this work is like, that's not, it's not like, oh, if you want to be like a missionary, which is, you know, has its own problematic history, that's what you do. Or you have a business, like there, it's both. Yeah. So when you sit down to do a reading, I think we're going to do like a little three card reading for people so they can ex- experience what what I experienced. I should have booked like my next six years of sessions with you before I <laughs> before I like show everybody how this works and you get all booked up. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think your what do you think your role is? So you're someone you like learned about the stuff on your own. Then you did go like an institutional route in a way of like mm-hmm. going to get your degree in social work, right? Your clinical social work degree. So you could be, could have become a therapist, mm-hmm. and then you were like. Maybe not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it, it was just the timing. Honestly, it, it wasn't even necessarily like a super intentional decision. I, my work on like social media, the, my daily card polls on Twitter, those things started getting gaining popularity while I was in graduate school. And so I was like, oh, this is different. And then just once I finished grad school, I was working on a book proposal and, and I was just like, okay, well, this is, I don't have time to, you know, get a job as a therapist somewhere, even though that was always what my my goal had been. Mm-hmm. But I, as I as I really started to do that work of thinking about how how can my 
you know, the, the skills that I have and the finite amount of energy that I have, what's sort of going to be the best use of that. And even though I had a lot of thoughts about, you know, well, you did all this work, you got this master's degree, you should get a job as a therapist, you should do this, you should do that. I was just like, it doesn't make sense, you know, for me. And then I think, yeah, for some of the reasons I just described it, it hasn't felt like the right fit. And and I have felt much more like I'm someone who wants to work with ideas and, and write books. Mm-hmm. And, and then, yeah, I love the one-on-one sessions with people too. Yeah, I was thinking the other day that when I was growing up, this is like so hilarious, but when I was growing up, I used to think like, I just want to be like a public intellectual. Why can't I just like think about things and tell people what I think about them? And like, why isn't that a living? You know, it's like, I feel like in Europe, that's more of a thing. But of course, and there are public intellectuals in America, they mostly have like, you know, whatever, PhDs or law degrees or professors or, but now like a few months ago, I was like, wait. That is what I do. I now, am that. You know? Yeah. And like, I do have a law degree. Yeah. You, not Yeah, me, exactly. That too. But like, <laughs> and, but it's, yeah, it's not in the New York Times, but like, who gives a shit, right? Like, this is, it's such right. a like, it's like a, this more democratized version where I'm like, I can just speak directly to people, right? Right. I'm on this whole kick right now. I'm going to do a whole episode about it, about how like self help is just philosophy and philosophy is self help. Like, mm. you know, that sort of things that are targeted to like men in elite institutions are like very serious philosophy and ethic questions. Right. And then like, because women are doing it on the internet, it's like, Oh, self-help. <laughs> but like right. good philosophy has always been like, what, you know, I mean, there's obviously different branches of philosophy, but they're basically like, what is the world? There's like epistemological <laughs> philosophy. Like what the fuck is happening? Is this real? Do we know what's going on? Right. Right. And then there's ethics. Like how do you be a good person? And then there's right. like practical philosophy. What kind of mm-hmm. life should we like? These are all the same questions that we yeah. talk about in coaching on or in mysticism all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. All right. Should we do a reading? What do we think? Yeah. Let's do it. I, <laughs> well, all right. Are you going to, do you have a question? Do you have something oh, yeah, yeah, you want right. to focus on? To. Remember what happened last <laughs> right, I'm time? I'm supposed to be working. I thought you would just do all the work. Yeah. <laughs> nope. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to pull the cards and then I'm just going to sit here in silence like I usually do. <laughs> I do feel like our last reading, you were even less directive than usual. <laughs> I've, I've, <laughs> I've accepted my role with you. Yeah. But. Usually they like cohere. And at the end of the last session, we were like, well, <laughs> all right, then I guess that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like good for me. Cause I'm always wanting to turn things into a narrative. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I was supposed to come with a question. This will be an interesting one. Okay. I get this question a lot and I'm experiencing it in a certain way, which is sort of like, okay, well, when you learn that you could be happy with any kind of outcome and you're wanting things without attachment, what if there's more than one thing that you could see being legitimately happy with and how do you sort of decide that, right? Mm. So I'm thinking right now about like my relationships and my relationship structure and feeling like I think there are multiple ways of building this life that I could be happy with. And mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm not someone who's very comfortable just being like, so we'll just see what happens. Like, And it feels like picking one kind of has to happen so I can look for what I'm looking for and communicate what I'm looking for, and, right? All of that. Yeah. And so I think like figuring out, I think that is something that comes up for me that I think that might be a good thing to do a reading on. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. So just to, just to make sure that I understand what your question is, it's like once you get to a point where you sort of have an understanding that you, your happiness is not dependent upon a particular outcome or even a choice that you make, right? Is that right? Yeah, not an external choice. It's dependent on how you decide to think about it. Yeah, like right. mental choice. But, but not, not like, like, oh, if I take I road A versus there, road B. Have right. this job or this job, this relationship or that one. So once you recognize that, then sort of what are the ways that you make decisions? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that that would be, is that kind of 
I, I know you're not saying that. Oh, I, I'm, I have not. Yeah, I think it's I like, no um, I think it's like one step, the next step of that, which is I do, one of the things I teach that I think is really true is like, often we do know what we want. We tell ourselves we don't know what we want because mm-hmm. like we think we can't have it or we're scared of it or we think, you know, we're right. socialized to like not want, or, you know. So I do think like once you, when you learn to not have that attachment to certain outcomes, I think often stuff does bubble up that is what you want. But I mm-hmm. think, but so it's not so much being like, I don't know anything what I would want, but more like, oh, I've come up with like two possible things, both of which I think would be great, amazing. Mm-hmm. They would just be different. How mm-hmm. do I pick which one I want? Like when you sort of feel like, okay, well, I do need to make a decision here. And I think, you know, the way I teach it is very analytical, which is just like, you know, just pick one and see what happens. But I'm curious mm-hmm. to sort of see if like this more kind of, and I maybe should have said this at the beginning, one of the, one of the reasons that I enjoy doing this work with you that I think it's very complimentary to thought work in my experience is that my experience of talking with you about the cards is really, it's like a more creative version of doing thought work in some ways with both the benefits and disadvantages. You know, creativity has some benefits and disadvantages and analysis has some benefits and disadvantages. So I like them together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels sort of, it's like a way of talking about thought patterns and other things, but in a more like visually and elusive way, not E-L-U, yeah. but A-L-L, right? So I think it'd be interesting to like think about I know how I teach it, which is just you make a decision, it doesn't matter. But it'd be interesting to like tease that out, think about that in a different context. Yeah, definitely. And I love these cards for this this question. So um, what do we have? Tell the people. They can't so yeah, so we have three cards. They are the Five of Wands, the Ace of Pentacles, and the Queen of Swords. And do you want me to... <laughs> You do such a good job of describing the the illustrations, but <laughs> last time we had a call, I almost Jessica fell out of her chair because I had so much to say about the chariot. <laughs> well, let's just say first, though, I don't know if this is like proprietary, but probably not given our whole conversation. Do you want to explain like what you think each suit is, like what how you use the suits? Yeah, sure. So there's four suits in tarot for people who are not familiar, just like a playing card deck where there's the clubs and spades and diamonds and and whatnot, um, except in tarot, there's four suits. They are the wands, the cups, the pentacles, and the swords. And the wands, well, the wands are the most weird. So I'll actually start with the more, I think, easy to understand ones. The swords would be like thoughts. So when you're talking about thought work, when you're talking about making a decision, when you're talking about narrative, you're talking about approaching something from an intellectual place, telling a story, reframing, restructuring, any of that kind of stuff. Swords, that's the domain. The cups have to do with emotions. So generally, and in my work, I think about them that way as well. And so that's right. That's feelings, emotions, and such. The pentacles, I think about as having to do with behavior. And traditional. that's a little bit, I diverge a bit from the traditional tarot interpretations that talk about pentacles as having to do with career and finance. The reason that I associate them with behavior is, of course, because, you know, my background in studying behavioral therapies, which really, as you know, is about understanding the interaction between thoughts, feelings, and behavior, how your thoughts and feelings can, if you're not aware of them, can create, you know, certain behaviors, patterns, and um, and how you can use them to support behavior change. And the pentacle is connected to the earth element. Each of the four suits are connected to an element, you know, earth, air, fire, water. And so I think the pentacles is most related to behavior because the body would, right, would be connected to the earth element. And then lastly, the wands would be energy. And we, we've talked a lot about this and it's been really interesting <laughs> to talk to you about that one because 
because of, of your work with thoughts and cognition, the wands, I was actually just revising uh, my my manuscript for my book that's coming out later this year. And my editor has had the most notes by far on the writings I've done about the wands. She's like, I'm not sure I totally understand. You know, she says things in a very diplomatic way. I'm not right. sure I'm totally understanding what these wands are. Can you explain to me what is energy? And it's been really good for me because I've had to clarify yeah. my understanding of what that is. But we'll say for this purpose, it's anything that is not a thought, a feeling, <laughs> a behavior. This is so interesting, though, because I can't believe I've like never somehow put this together, which is why it's great we had this conversation. But, you know, the way that the coaching model I teach that I learned from my teacher is the is C-T-F-A-R, right? So it's like a way of breaking down. So the core of it is a, you know, differently worded version of the cognitive behavioral therapy. You know, I don't, I forget how the CBT is what it's like thought, emotion, behavior, and we call it like thought, feeling, action. Same mm, thing, right? Yeah, yeah. But then there's a circumstance. So we spend more, a little more time um, on like really distinguishing between like what's outside of you and your thought. But then the last line is the result, which is, what you create in your life through those behaviors. And it's interesting, like I've never, I have not really thought about it before, but like what you have is there's like the thought, the feeling, the action line. And then you call, and I've been thinking of energy as being more like either like a variant on emotion or like off to the side somehow, just like a different whole paradigm. But I also think there's like maybe, I wonder like how the readings would be different for me if I was thinking about the wands as being about results not in the like i've achieved this project and like checked off this thing or whatever but like what is the whole experience that i'm creating kind of being in the world through all these other levels kind of coming together mm, and that's interesting yeah i mean i think it could be it can be that it can be i think about about the wands as having to do with like just drives right mm -hmm. that there's the thing that sort of is that a is that a thought is it a feeling i mean it's something that if you're not conscious of it, mm -hmm. it can be like, I mean, you, in your work, you, I, I always, I feel like I always say this to you, like, I don't understand like a lot of, I, I know that there are similarities and stuff, but I, because I've never taken any of your classes or anything, I don't know. I'm looking forward to your book. I, did you say you're writing a book? Yeah, I'm working on the book. <laughs> yeah, so I, I can't wait for that because then I'll really understand and I won't say so, so many annoying you know, things. I don't want to blow your mind, but I do have a podcast, by the way. <laughs> Right, I know, but there's so just many episodes. Like, there's just no way to. I learn get overwhelmed. What you do. I know exactly. <laughs> Even though what were we just talking about? It's like, even though I've worked with you so many times, but I'm like, yeah, finally you'll have a book, and I'll finally get access to this, to understand what's this information here. that you're keeping hidden from me. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, anyway, I don't know what where I just. Who knows? So the that. wands are energy slash. Yeah. Maybe there's some way to connect them to the result line. We haven't figured out before. That just kind of mm -hmm. is a side note that occurred mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. So our yeah. cards we have. So the five of wands, and in the image you see five people eat. They each have a wand, and they're all kind of like it looks like they're sort of play fighting. They're all going in a different direction. Mm -hmm. Or like I'm curious, to erect a structure, but they're doing it the wrong way. Mm, oh yeah, totally. How do you, I mean, I'm curious to hear from you, and this is, I guess this is, this is how I read, right? Like, when you were saying, like, the result line, mm -hmm. or the result domain, what comes up around this, that, I mean, for me, the immediate association was, well, it could be any, if the result of all this, all of the stuff that you were talking about is, well, it could be anything, and it doesn't, it, it could be a mess, you know what I mean? Well, I guess then when we what? talk about the result in the work that I do, 
a result is always specific to a certain model you're doing. So it's like, what is thinking that thought and having that feeling and that behavior produce for you? Hmm. Like what results does that create in your life? And so I think when I look at this card, which is like a bunch of people, we'll put these in the show notes or maybe, yeah, but it's like five people and they're, they have these like giant wands, which look like basically big sticks with some plants growing out of them a little bit, like big sticks with leaves. Those are the wands. Yeah. And like one or two of them are like up in the air, but then a couple of them have them crossed with each other. It sort of looks to me like it's like a result in process. Like they're trying to build or create something, Mm -hmm. but they're not really, they're not quite get, they're also wearing color coordinated outfits, which I think is funny. Like they're like a little troop of some kind. (laughs) But it sort of looks to me like, I guess I see, yeah, for some reason when I look at this card, I don't, I don't see disorganization. I see like something in process, Mm -hmm. which actually totally relates to my question, which is like, it's not a decision about like, oh, I'm going to have this life or that life, right? It's like, where am I going to direct my process right now, right? As opposed to like, this is a final decision or like, this is a strategic element on a plan, (laughs) right? It's like, if what you're focused on is your process as a person, like what is your emotional growth or what is your sort of development of just your own consciousness of your human life and trying to be more skillful at navigating it? Like any decision you make is just I think like thinking more about this is one of the, I think, insights of coaching and I'm sure therapy too, but is like, especially for very type A people like me, like moving away from an, an emphasis on like, what is the outcome to like, how do you want the process to feel? Mm-hmm. Which of course I fucking teach all the time, but didn't occur to me till just now is relevant to my question. <laughs> yeah. But it, I mean, I love that because you also have the ace of pentacles in the middle, which is the, you know, the aces are the one of the suit Mm -hmm. and the pentacle, again, I mentioned has to do with behavior, but also with the earth element. So it's grounding and really does have to do with being present to the the current circumstances of your life and what you're talking about, which is being very process focused and not results focused. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, this future thing that I'm imagining, that's beautiful. But also like, you know, what are you trying to learn right now in this moment or do right now in this moment that the pentacle feels like a real symbol for me it feels like a symbol of what it looks like to really pare your awareness down to what's directly in front of you what is your next five minutes next 10 minutes look like what are you trying to create and experience interesting because when you think about the ace so i think about this right in your reading the ace is the top right it's like the most advanced in that field or is it the least well it's i don't i don't know that it really goes in terms of most to least, I think it's the one. I mean, the, as you can see in the image, the in this deck, which is illustrated by Pamela Coleman Smith, the hand is coming out of the sky. There's an an indication that this is like a well. I know I'm getting a little bit into maybe too <laughs> too far That's into right. that. Be as weird as you want. Go for okay. It. <laughs> so I mean, well, well, it's not that weird actually. I mean, it's kind of just saying okay, you're 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 given the gift. All the aces. It's like okay, you're born into a human body, and you're given these four capacities. You're given the capacity mm-hmm. to think, to feel, to experience energy, and to behave, to move your physical body in certain ways. And the Ace of Pentacles is this reminder that okay, you've been given this gift. You have choices to take particular actions, but part of the work that you do in the and what you see laid out in the pentacle suit is learning how to occupy the body in the present moment which mm. is not something that most of us know how to do we we knew how to do it once upon a time and then we forget 
I think what's coming, the reason I asked was I know sometimes you talk about like the page, the queen, the king as being kind of like beginner. Yeah, levels of, yeah. Yeah, but so the reason I, I, the reason I was thinking about that is that it is, it's interesting to think about the idea that what we think is mastery of action is like something big and ambitious or long range. And that it would be, it's like a subversion of that to think like, no, the true mastery of action is what it is like the next five minutes, right? Is the like what it was yes. like being extremely present in making a decision about your actions, being present and grounded in your body. Like what if that is the the pinnacle of being in a body as opposed to the pinnacle being like, I can build a pyramid. Totally. It just reminded me of something that I read and I'm going to totally butcher it, but it's by David White, who is like this writer from like the Pacific Northwest, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think that's his name. I hope it is. He said this thing about ambition and how kind of like, as soon as you have an ambition, it's already sort of no longer a living thing. Like you're just, Mm -hmm. you're just sort of dead end moving from, Mm -hmm. from point A to point B because you're not, you're, you have your eye on this thing and you're moving through it. Just not always aware and present to the contingencies of the present moment and i do think exactly just to reiterate what you're saying i think that's exactly right that part of the gift of having we have the ability to be in the present moment we have the equipment for it we have the system for it we have the tools Mm -hmm. for it but it requires i think it requires practice yeah and that's also this reminds me of something i was i just did clutch college which is this like live online event and one of the things that i was talking about was like we're so freaked out by our emotions but your body knows how to have an emotion like it's built for that it just like it knows how to digest and it knows how to sleep like your body knows how to have an emotion the problem is your brain right the problem is like the freak out about the emotion the story about the emotion the resistance to the emotion Mm -hmm. all of that right like we think we can't handle them but your body as a physical animal totally is capable of handling an emotion it's your mind that is the problem so yeah i mean there's something about that sort of going back to you're born knowing how to do this. Like you have this, you have the ability to be present. You have the ability to allow emotion. You have the ability to have like a truly fully embodied experience. But I mean, it's interesting that the next card is the king of swords, which is like, is that the king or the queen? That's the queen. Queen. Because I'm a queen, obviously. That's the queen of swords, which is the like, right, queen of intellect. Yeah, I know. That's the, that's the you, that's definitely the you card. But it, (laughs) but what you're saying though, I mean, visually, the Queen of Swords in this deck is, you know, the clouds. Actually, I have the page right here. It just happens to be at the top of the deck, but the page to the Queen, if we're talking about things in terms of developing levels of mastery, the page you can see is these clouds are, internal events right their emotions for instance as you were saying and so you can see all these emotions happening and the page is very reactive right sword the sword is drawn the body posture is you know ready to ready to fight ready to swing and the clouds are all over the place on the, on yes, the card exactly the clouds are all over the place the queen on the other hand there's a lot of clouds there's it's not an absence of clouds and they're all at sort of at the body level like you said the, the body knows how to do that there's no she's not freaking out her head is just above the clouds and her sword is in like a very interesting position but ready to it's ready to go if it needs to be mm-hmm. to make a decision but she also has the hand out there's a welcoming it's like she's tamed i see it as like she's tamed the clouds it's like she put out her hand and she was like all right clouds like get just like calm down and come gather around me and then like all the clouds like, <laughs> and i'll like, tell okay. you what i like she, she there's yeah. a real i mean this is a great example of a sovereignty not just 
intellectually, but behaviorally. Like I think about this idea of behavioral sovereignty a lot that that sort of means that you can, I don't know if that's a real thing. I kind of, I, I, it's one of those terms. I think I made it up, but someone else. I think else... if we make it up, it's a real thing. It's okay, funny. cool. <laughs> yeah. So like, but the question being like, did I make that up or did I hear it somewhere? I oh, think I right, made it up. Yeah. I think I made it up, <laughs> but she has that too, right? She's even, her cape is even, has clouds all over it. I know. I was about to say that. She's got clouds yeah. on her cape. She's just, she's totally comfortable with that. And people think of the Queen of Swords as not being particularly emotional, but it's not the case. She is. It's just that she really understands how to not let, you know, the the behavior, the thoughts, and anything else be at the service of the emotions. She does look a little grim in the face, though. She does. That's true. She's <laughs> totally. She's got a frown. She's got a frown. So that's why she's not like... It. If she was the empress level, she would know she could also be happy while doing all of this. <laughs> right. But I do think, you know what, actually that frown and that sword makes sense to me because she is like allowing all, I mean, I was, it's almost like maybe she's actually the intermediary step. It's like, okay, she can have all the clouds. She's like, like able to allow those emotions, but she's still sort of like brandishing her intellect at them and looking kind of stern and like maybe the next mm. level, maybe the empress of swords, if there was such a thing would be like, no clouds and a smile, right? Not that, I mean, not that, or like the clouds would be lower. Not that we're supposed to get rid of our feelings, but there's something about this where it feels a little bit like, I think sometimes when we learn how to process an emotion or allow our emotions, I think it's normal and natural, but like we start out doing it as a, as a means to an end or like as a like, so that I can then change my thinking. Like, and then the next level of it, I think is being like, well, or like the emotions become like clouds in the sky. They come and they go. Yeah. You might change some of your thoughts, but it becomes much more, you don't feel like you have to be like brandishing your brain at everything kind of, or like, you don't feel like you have to be on guard. Like it right. sort of feels like she's like, okay, everything's calm and peaceful for now, but I have my sword up just in case. Yeah. As totally. opposed to like, maybe, maybe really the empress would be like, she's just swimming in the clouds and everything's totally, <laughs> you know, she's happy right. about it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So what do you think in terms of bringing <laughs> totally it back to your... touch of the original question. I know, but I, I felt like the cards were so great for the question, really. I, I, yeah, what I'm was that original question? Happy. Right. Well, I think it was like, it's not about making which decision, right? It's like not about thinking. Like I've been thinking of it as, oh, well, of course I need to make a decision about which version of the life I want so that I can move towards it and build it. It's like very action oriented, and but in this like long-term way. And very like, I'll have a strategy and go create it. And I think like what these cards suggest is there's another way of doing that, which is to be much more in the present in the process and let things develop more organically, right? Like what feels, what does the next five minutes feel like? What action feels right to take in the next five minutes, in the next 10 minutes? Like how can I be more? But in order to do that, I think you have to have done the work to be able to like allow and not be reactive to your emotions. Otherwise what's happening is you're just taking a bunch of constant actions that are reactive to your emotion. Right. Right. It's like having that long-term vision is important when you're very emotionally reactive because it's what keeps you from like blowing up the house. Right. But maybe it's like once you've learned how to be less emotionally reactive, not be in a rush, that's when you're able to sort of take things at a slower pace and not have to think so big picture all the time. It's almost like you have to like get big picture in order to get grounded and granular again. Yeah, totally. I feel like this is like what other people do when they're high. What we're doing right now. Yeah, it's like yeah. not do not read tarot cards, but like this is the kind of conversation yeah. that like two <laughs> totally. sober people have when they're like life coaches and tarot card readers <laughs> that other people would be like, 
But maybe it's like you got to go big before you go small. You yeah, know? totally. <laughs> and then and then the other person says, "Yeah, totally." Like how? Yeah, I totally. Yeah, yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Pass the pass uh, along. It's so true. So true. That's so that's funny. us. Yeah, I like it. I do feel like a lot of the a lot of what's coming up in my like in coaching for me these days and in this is like is that sort of like less about the goal more about how you want the process to feel which i often teach as like yes set the goal and then the journey has to feel like you want it to or the destination isn't you know the journey's the destination is going to feel like the journey so you have to learn to love the process but i think this is like a next level which is like what if you actually just don't even have a goal or aren't even going to set it you're actually just going to think about how do I want to feel right now? What do I want to experience right now? It's sort of like as opposed to like setting the goal and then building the ladder to get there. It's more like just going out the door and then taking each thing as it comes, which, you know, it's like every teaching, you have to know where you are. If you've never set a goal before, then don't take this as a good reason to never set a goal. But if you're very good, right, then you need to set one and try that. But if like me, you're extremely good at setting and achieving goals and very goal oriented, then like the growth may be in like not having a goal, not being on the path to an outcome. And just experiencing, you know, in some part of your life, like, what happens if I just take what seems like the next right step without knowing where I'm going? Yeah, I mean, I think you're touching on something so interesting that that I think has a lot to do with the pentacles, because the pentacle is what is a pentacle? It's a coin. And so it's a symbol of value, a symbol of something that right in for us culturally, Mm -hmm. that means that you can trade it for things that you want. And so it's like, the ace is an interesting card in the context of somebody who is maybe redefining their relationship to, you know, like you said, when someone is having to do some hard work or do some hard things, learn how to make behavior change, learn how to make big changes, thought things, changes to their thoughts and things like that. It's often necessary, like you said, to have, okay, well, what are my values and what are the goals that are connected to those values? But once you learn how to do that and you no longer sort of need to know, well, what makes doing the hard work worth it? Then you're coming back to this place of like, yeah, having to redefine your relationship to what your values are. Is it like having things that you're striving for? Or is it learning how to appreciate the things that you've cultivated the things that you've that you've made for yourself too, with all that goal setting that you've done, you know, and I think that's really part of that whole idea of like, being present to the this five minutes and the next five minutes, like, five minutes ago, in, you know, symbolically, as I guess, metaphorically, it may have really served you to have longer term goals right now. Maybe it it doesn't, you know, maybe it gets in the way. So being attentive to those, those shifts and being willing to renegotiate what is really valuable to you is important. It's also interesting. We have like a one, a five and a queen. It's like the whole spectrum kind of. of mm-hmm. numbers. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your expertise with us. Is there anything else you think we should know about tarot? And obviously you should tell us where to find you and your work. But have we not talked about anything that you feel like we should talk about? No, I think I think this was great. And it was fun to do this. And I appreciate you <laughs> being vulnerable to, to bring a tarot reader onto your, you know, onto your <laughs> podcast. I know you can do that. And you have, like, you have the trust and respect of, of people who who work with you and listen to you and who come to you and trust you and i it means a lot you know i mean when i was coming out of transitioning out of like psychology publishing starting to write about tarot i had a lot of fear around 
being so, taken listen, seriously yeah. by serious life, people. Lawyer to li- legal academic to life coach is a, yeah. Once yes, you, do you that, understand. I mean, that's yeah. why I'm like a tarot card reader. I mean, I went from like, I was like, I'm going to be a law professor. I'm just kidding. I'm going to be a life coach. So this is. But you do very smart work. I, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, obviously I'm saying this, I don't need to say that to you, but it's like, you know that you do very smart work and it's not woo woo. It's not like, oh, we're talking about it. We're saying all these vague things and no one knows right. what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I, I think of myself similarly that I, I really have tried to, to ground the tarot in, in some things that I think are really practical and really useful and helpful. So anyway, I appreciate your being able to yeah. see that and, and yeah, all the work we've done together. And this was really fun. Yeah. I'm all, I only got time for pragmatists. I don't have time for, <laughs> got a lot of work to do. So where can people find you if they want to learn more? Yeah. So, I mean, my website, which is jessicador.com, I guess that's my name. We'll Spell D-O-R-E. D-O-R-E. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm the Jessica Dore on social media, Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> Don't accept any substitutes. No yeah, fake no, Jessica the, Dores. Right, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, that's it. And I, I teach classes and stuff if, if people are interested on, you know, tarot and how to read cards and the way that I read them. And otherwise, I just post writings about the cards and things like that. So yeah. So and there is like such a deep well. This is what this is like. 0.2% of the amount of thinking that Jessica has done about tarot cards and <laughs> mysticism and myth and psychology and like so definitely yeah. go follow her read her stuff buy her book when it comes out thank you all right thanks for coming yeah thanks for having me all right chickens go pick up a tarot deck see what you think I'll see those of you who survived this journey next week <laughs> if you're loving what you're learning in the podcast you have got to come check out the clutch The Clutch is the podcast community for all things Unfuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying the concepts to your own life. It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will blow your mind even more. And it's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change your life. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. That's unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I can't wait to see you there. <laughs>